This is Gliza for Classical Adventures for One, where I read classical work dramatically and discuss things about that work that I find interesting and want to share with my listeners. If that's something that you're into, stick around and let's talk about fictional books of the past. First of all, I want to say thank you for listening to my dramatic reading of chapter 1, Down the Rabbit Hole. If you haven't, well that's okay too. Thank you still for joining the discussion portion of this episode. If you're interested in hearing it though, the link for it is in the description below and you can just click on it to go there. Today's art pieces from the dramatic reading and the one for the discussion here were created by Ame. She is my number one artist, the one I always go to when I need any artwork done. She specializes in really surreal sort of creepy stuff, but also soft. She's the one that created my logo, and it only made sense that she would be the first artist that I would be showcasing here. So if you love the art that you see as much as I did, you can find more of her pieces at her Instagram, which is also linked at the description below. I also linked her Patreon, so show her some love. Seriously, go check her work out. They're totally amazing. Everything needs an origin story nowadays, so why not start with that? Marvel did that with Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, and many, many more. DC did that too, but maybe not as successfully. They are trying. I mean, even Sony tried it three different times with Spider-Man. And yes, I am counting the excellent, excellent Miles Morales one with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as well. Because, whether you agree with me or not, in my opinion, it is one of the best Spider-Man movies all time. And what I'm saying is, there's a reason it works. And if it ain't broke, why mess with a great formula? So, let's talk a little bit about the origin story of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll, better known to the world today as Alice in Wonderland. Alice's story was first published in November 26, 1865, and even though it's been a century and several decades more since then, to this very day, it still captures the imagination of millions of readers across the globe. It only makes sense to me that this is where I start my journey of discovering the classical books that I've never read before. The first thing I realized in my research was that Lewis Carroll is a nom de plume, chosen by Charles Ludwig Dodgson. Charles adopted his pen name in 1856 because according to the Lewis Carroll Society of North America, he was a very private person and would even refuse letters sent to Lewis Carroll at his address, claiming that no such person lived there. According to them, and I'm quoting here, he took the first two parts of his name, Charles Ludwig, and translated them into Latin. Carolus Ludovicus. He then reversed the order, Ludovicus Carolus, and then loosely translated them back into English. 
Lewis Carroll. He actually supplied his first publisher with a short list of possible pen names, and it was the publisher who selected Lewis Carroll from the list. Anyway, back to Charles, who may I say has one of the richest imagination I have ever encountered. One of the reasons I shied away from reading classical books was because I worried that it would be dry and the words wouldn't capture me. Reading Alice's adventures in Wonderland quickly proved me wrong, and I'm so very impressed with the man's ability to tell stories. And did you know he pretty much created this adventure on the spot? I mean, for sure, he had to go through a lot of work before it was ready for print. He for sure had his own personal manuscript that he kept and edited around, but the bulk of the story started on that day, all in the golden afternoon. I want you guys to listen to this poem that was the preface for this book where Charles recalls how it first started, how it all started. All in the golden afternoon, full leisurely we glide, for both our oars with little skill, by little arms are piled, while little hands make vain pretense our wanderings to guide. Ah, cruel three, in such an hour, beneath such dreamy weather, to beg a tail of breath too weak, to steer the tiniest feather. Yet what can one poor voice avail against three tongues together? Imperious prima flashes forth, her edict to begin it. In gentler tones, Secunda hopes there will be nonsense in it. While Tertia interrupts the tale, not more than once a minute. Anon to sudden silence one, in fancy they pursue. The dream child moving through a land of wonders wild and new. In friendly chat with bird or beast, and half believe it true. And ever as the story drained, the wells of fancy dry, and faintly strove that weary one to put the subject by. The rest next time, it is next time, the happy voices cry. Thus grew the tale of Wonderland, thus slowly one by one. Its quaint events were hammered out, and now the tale is done. And home we steer a merry crew, beneath the setting sun. Alice, a childish story take, and with a gentle hand lay it where childhood's dreams are twined. In memory's mystic band, like pilgrims withered wreath of flowers, plucked in a far-off land. And there you have it. A poem about how the story first started. If you're not aware, which I wasn't until I started this whole adventure of mine, Charles had three little sisters as friends that he used to spend time with. It was on one of their boat trips on the River Isis with the Reverend Kenneth Duckworth. And the three sisters, Alice, Lorena, and Edith Little, that Alice began to grow extra restless and begged for a story with all kinds of nonsense in it. And so, Charles told the story. It's really funny to me that several times he tried to end the story by saying next time to be continued, and the enraptured children would say, nah, now is that next time. They refused for the story to end, and they did not return to their boat until late in the evening. According to Reverend Dockworth, when he asked Charles where he had gotten the story, the author replied, yeah, I'm inventing it as I go along. 
Now, usually after a story has been told by Charles, it would be forgotten, and a new story would take its place. But it looks like Alice, or Secunda of the poem, must have really liked the stories. See, several boat rides later, and probably a long time later, Alice Little begged if he could write the stories down for her as a gift. Eventually, she'd wore him down, and one night, he stayed up late into the night and just started jotting down the main events and created his initial outline. He started in November 13, 1862, and finished it officially on February 10, 1863, in just three months. And he added a little more to it, and of the extra things that he added, he mentioned that in writing it out, I added many fresh ideas which seemed to grow of themselves upon the original stock. Basically, he just added whatever came to mind. After finishing the story, he copied it out once more with a more legible handwriting for Alice. He wasn't quite ready to give it to Alice yet though. He still wanted to add some drawings. So he practiced several sketches, and of them he says they are his own crude designs, designs that rebelled against every law of anatomy or art, for I had never had a lesson in drawing, he says. Finally, by September 13, 1864, his gift for Alice Little was ready. He presented the finished leather booklet entitled Alice's Adventures Underground to Alice as a Christmas gift on November 26, 1864. As for the original manuscript, Charles kept it. One of his friends, a novelist named Henry Kingsley, saw the manuscript and encouraged him to actually publish it. So because of this, Charles asked his other friend, George MacDonald, who is an author of children's books, and he asked him for advice. What George decided to do was to bring home the manuscript to read it to his children. And his then six-year-old son, Greville, said that he wished there was 60,000 copies of it. Hearing that was the catalyst that Charles needed to publish the book, and he even decided to finance the whole thing himself. See, self-publishing was a thing even in the 1800s, so keep publishing your books, guys. You never know when you'll hit it, am I right? Anyway, Charles revised the story that he had wrote for Alice, cutting out some references that would only make sense to Alice and company at the time the story was first invented. And he expanded the original story, which didn't include a lot of the things that are now integral to the story, like the Cheshire Cat. As for the title, a friend of his actually suggested a couple of different titles, as said friend mentioned that Alice's Adventures Underground might be misconstrued as a book about mining. And so he gave him a couple of suggestions, like Alice Among the Elves, Alice Among the Goblins, Alice's Hour or Doings or Adventures in Elfland or Wonderland, with Charles really liking the sound of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. What about the drawings then? Well, Charles originally wanted to use his own drawings for the book, but eventually admitted that he wasn't really as talented as he wanted to be, and he approached Sir John Tenniel, who was a cartoonist for a magazine called Punch, for the illustrations that appeared in the first publication. In regards to their relationship, well, there's a bit of drama there, and maybe I'll talk more about that at a later time in a later episode. I'm sure I'll have plenty of time to visit that little tidbit. 
The first attempt at printing the books were supposed to consist of 2,000 copies, but Sir John was very much unhappy with the quality of the 50 presentation copies, so they were recalled within a month, and almost half of them were donated, and only 22 copies of the first attempt exist today. Eventually, Charles and Sir John were as satisfied as they must be at that time, and a second attempt at publishing was achieved. Several thousand printings later, and here we are, enjoying a story that was originally meant for three girls boating on that golden afternoon. And there you have it, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, from conception to first official publication. I want to thank Lenny from AliceInWonderland.net for allowing me to use his website as a source as well. They pretty much did the heavy lifting here and I'm just here to share with you guys the hard work that was done. If you're interested in checking out the website, why don't you check the website out by going to the description where it's linked down there. Definitely thank you guys for joining me on this adventure and if you're listening to this on YouTube, please remember to subscribe, like, and share if you found this episode interesting. I would love to hear from you so please leave a comment below if you have anything that you want me to know or tips to improve on. If you're listening to it anywhere else, please subscribe, like, and share it to people you think might like it anyway. And you can also email me at classicalgliza at gmail.com. Again, I'm Gliza, and this has been Classical Adventures for One. See you on the next adventure.